Hi everybody, Pete Sardis back for The Lawyer You Know. We are talking about the second day of cross-examination for Elizabeth Holmes. Stay tuned with us. I'll tell you what happened in the courthouse. I will tell you what happened during cross-examination. We'll kind of get an idea about what the rest of the defense case is gonna look like. As always, if you like the video, please give me a thumbs up. If you are liking the series, please subscribe to our channel. As always, please leave me questions and comments down below so I know what it is that you're interested in. And as we're kind of wrapping this series up, give me an idea if there's any other legal topics that you all find interesting, and we'll see if we can cover those for you. So with that, let's talk about it. Um, this was the second day of cross-examination for Elizabeth Holmes. If you recall, she uh, started her cross-examination before we left for Thanksgiving. There was a Thanksgiving break. There was no court this week on Monday. So Elizabeth Holmes comes back on the stand on Tuesday to face prosecutors that are asking her questions. Now, before court even started, the melees began. First major issue that uh, the court found itself with is the lawyers for the defense showed up to court and expressed to the judge that there were a series of documents that they intend to use in the rest of their case in chief. Prosecutors argued that these documents had been withheld or had not been produced to the government previously in discovery. And just to give you an idea, Rule 16 is the rule of federal procedure that uh, covers discovery. And it basically says there is no trial by ambush. If you elect to participate in Rule 16 discovery, the government will provide you whatever documents they have in order to um, give you an idea about what the prosecution looks like. And it happens in the obverse also. So whatever the defense intends to use has to at least be disclosed to the government. So at this point, the government argued to Judge Davila that these documents are things they hadn't seen before and that they were uh, attributing this to some sort of a tactic to make this like a trial by ambush kind of event. The defense's response to that was, Judge, the government turned Theranos upside down for years. I can't believe that they don't have these, you know, however many pieces of paper. So after the, the arguments between the lawyers, or I should say after the arguments to the judge uh, by the lawyers, Judge Davila basically reserved ruling saying he'll figure it out when the, uh, the documents become relevant and just let's get going. So then as the day starts to begin, other things start to happen. Apparently this cell phone debauchery in the courthouse or in this particular courtroom is never ending. One person's phone went off before the jury actually got seated. Apparently somebody sat on their phone and it started playing some video clip for a new contestant or a new participant in The Real Housewives. Um, another person, their cell phone went off and apparently it rang loud enough and long enough in the middle of Elizabeth Holmes' cross-examination that the judge actually stopped the proceedings and said, will you please get out of here? Uh, ultimately, both those people took their phones outside, got them under control, and came back and took their original seats in the courtroom. Speaking of sitting in the courtroom, uh, if you recall from some of our earlier uh, films, we talked about the limited seating capacity in the courtroom. There's about 32, 34 seats given or taken that space. And because Elizabeth Holmes is actually being cross-examined, now all of a sudden everybody has taken interest, meaning there are just people coming off the street that want to watch this. Elizabeth Holmes' family members are in the courtroom and they want to watch. Obviously, the news outlets are you know, jockeying for seats in there. So the courtroom deputy, who is the um, U.S. Marshal or a court security officer, I'm not sure which one he is, 
is doing his best to try to keep everybody spaced and COVID compliant, whatever the rules are for that particular courthouse. And it's just been difficult since there's always people trying to squeeze themselves into this courtroom. So again, taking up a lot of time before the trial even begins. Elizabeth Holmes takes a stand. She testifies on Tuesday for about a little bit shy of six hours. The basic topics or the basic idea is this. From her perspective, when the prosecutors asked her, you know, why are you spending so much time fighting these whistleblowers or trying to squash these whistleblowers? Why are you spending all of this effort trying to curtail John Carew's story? Why is it such a big deal to not say that you're using commercially available lab equipment to run testing? Elizabeth Holmes' uh, answer for the vast majority of questions is she's protecting her trade secret. And just to clarify, what that means is she's saying that this, that the Theranos machine and exactly what it does and how it does it was the integral part of the business model for the company. So she didn't want to let out what Edison could or could not do because it was a trade secret and she didn't want to have any issues that would affect Theranos' company, Theranos' business, Theranos' ability to curtail piggybackers onto their business model. We'll see how, how that comes across. But at this point, a lot of her answers have basically been, why am I fighting everything around me? It's because of trade secrets. So the next thing the prosecutors focus on generally is talking about what Elizabeth Holmes knew about her company's operations compared to what she was telling other people. One of the big areas that the prosecutors focused on during their cross-examination was a visit by BDT Capital Partners, one of the investors that was supposed to come on. And apparently they actually came to Theranos because they wanted to do a tour and there was talk about them even going to one of the Walgreens stores that was supposed to be set up with the Edison machine to just inspect it, give it a, a once-over, give it a dry run. Apparently, Elizabeth Holmes had some of her teams choreograph different possibilities of questions or items or things that might come up. Now, is choreographing something for a potential investor strange in the corporate world? No, it's not. Of course, you're going to want to practice how things come across, what you're going to show them, how you know, you're going to demonstrate your product, your business, whatever the case may be. What was odd in this particular circumstance is that she admitted that the choreographing was basically what do we do if the investors ask about a specific blood draw? What if they want their blood tested? What if the test they want to run requires a commercial standard venous blood draw? What are we going to say? How are we going to divert the question? How do we do the analysis? If they want to go to Walgreens and sit down in front of an Edison machine and do a finger stick and then watch the machine actually analyze the blood sample, what would they do if the test that they were looking for in fact requires a commercially readily available machine other than the Edison machine? So they actually went back and forth about this stuff and decided about how they were going to answer or deflect a number of these questions. Very odd. Uh, I think the jury is going to is going to be perplexed by that one. And I don't think that that particular range of testimony came off very well for Elizabeth Holmes. But if we're talking about how things went poorly for her, one of the things that I think punched her in the face was her dealing of the article that came out in Fortune Magazine. So if you remember, back in 2014, Fortune Magazine ran a cover story on Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes. In that cover story, a gentleman by the name of 
Roger Parloff actually went out and did a full story mock-up on the front page of Fortune magazine touting this technology and how it's going to change the future of medical uh, blood testing. The questions that, they, uh, that, that the government threw at her were basically, did you know in 2014, when you're preparing for this Fortune article, that the information that Mr. Parloff is about to publish publicly, nationally, internationally, is just wrong. Uh, Elizabeth Holmes answered that question uh, very carefully, and I don't think it's going to look good for the jury. What she said is, I know that that information is not accurate now, but she didn't answer about whether or not she knew it was accurate then. And to be clear, one of the prosecutors that was cross-examining her actually read a, um, a part of the story which said, meaning talking about the Theranos Edison machine. It currently offers more than 200 and is ramping up to offer more than a thousand of the most commonly ordered blood diagnostic tests, all without the need for a syringe. Elizabeth Holmes did admit on the stand that they had a machine, an Edison machine that was kind of modified and it did require you know, additional blood other than just the finger prick and it could do 58 tests. Apparently, the Edison machine at the time could only do 12. So realizing 58 plus 12, and that's 70 tests, nowhere near 200 and absolutely nowhere near 1,000. So I don't, I don't think that that testimony came off very well because let's be real, they knew what they could do. The way she tried to deflect that was by saying, this is what they believed the testing would be able to do in the future. So her point of contention being is it wasn't accurate specifically, but it was accurate as what we were trying to accomplish. So now are we splitting hairs? Are we mincing words? I think the answer is yes. And I think most people don't like that. Another area that I think wound up punching Elizabeth Holmes in the guts was some discussion about the financials of Theranos. And one of the issues I think you recall from some of our previous episodes are there were allegations or there were numbers put into the books for Theranos about their projected, projected income streams that were just not accurate. And one of the projections uh, was a, a line item for a Glasgow SmithKline, which is a big pharmaceutical company that Theranos was courting back at the time. So prosecutors asked Ms. Holmes if she expected that GlaxoSmithKline was going to provide a revenue stream to Theranos for the 2014 year. And she said yes, and she agreed it was $40 million. And the prosecutor asked her, well, hold on a second. Why did you think that was going to happen? Well, because we had contracts with them in the past, so we expected that was going to be the income stream. And then the prosecutor does something that I think was very simple and very telling. He goes back year by year, from 13 all the way back to 2007, asking uh, Elizabeth Holmes, if they had a contract or a revenue stream with Glasgow at that time. And remember, she just answered that the reason she thought there was going to be $40 million of investment uh, pr uh, income from Glasgow SmithKline was because of the previous uh, contracts with the company. And she admits that there are no previous contracts with the company. She also admits that there are no previous income streams from this company, which is consistent with what the, uh, the testimony has been in the past. So I think that one hit her in the gut. She really struggled with that question. Um, I, I, you could tell that emotionally her, her, her face changed. You can tell that she fumbled trying to answer that question. I think it looked really bad for her on the stand. 
The next thing that I think they, the, the government discussed, I don't know how big of a deal it was, I, I think everybody's clear on this one, is they asked her about her knowledge of the government contracts or military contracts, and she admitted there were no military contracts, and that she never told anybody there were military contracts, and that she never intended to mislead anybody to believe that there were military contracts, although they wanted military contracts. Uh, pretty consistent with what the testimony's been, which is, yeah, there were no military contracts. The military wouldn't even consider it because they hadn't even gotten FDA approval for any of this stuff, which means the government's precluded from even trying this stuff out. So from that perspective, I think she looked like a fool telling their investors that they had government contracts or were courting the government when in fact there was no such thing and it couldn't even be possible. So again, uh, wasn't the biggest hit the way it came across, but ultimately that is another one that uh, the government got a good, uh, good sock to her. Then what happens after about six hours, give or take, a little shy of six hours, the the defense comes back on and asks really a couple of questions. And the questions that they asked boil down to this. Who was in charge of financial projections? Sonny. Good. Why would you have a reason to pitch, you know, you know, the GlaxoSmithKline, you know, 40 million or these numbers to investors to try to make it look like the company's doing better? And the response was, we had a $75 million deal with Walgreens. We were not cash strapped. We had money. So it wouldn't have made sense for me to, to try to tell them something to to put on a show for something that it, it already exists. Meaning I don't have to, to lie about the numbers. The numbers are big enough as it is. So that's kind of the two major topics that uh, the defense came back with. That was about it. They took Elizabeth Holmes off the stand. Um, at that point, the defense has indicated that they've got a couple more witnesses uh, that they're going to put on as the case progresses. So I'm guessing we'll probably be done, if not this week, maybe early next week, at which point we're going to start seeing closing arguments. We're going to start seeing jury instructions being put together. We're going to get this case to the jury's hands so they can deliberate and make a decision. So I'm guessing the next couple of weeks, we're gonna see something cool, but from this point forward, tell me what you all think. How do you think it's gonna go? Do you think the defense is going to put on any bombshell witnesses? Do you think there's gonna be any smoking guns? Or do you think the witnesses that the defense puts on from this point forward are gonna be kind of consistent with what uh, the couple witnesses that preceded Elizabeth Holmes are gonna be? Kind of dry, kind of, you know, not really very moving. So. Tell me what you think. Uh, if you want to make any predictions, we're still listening to taking a poll to figure out what you all think is going to happen ultimately in this case. Will she be convicted? Will she not be convicted? And we'll talk about it from there. So stay tuned. We'll come back to you soon. Thanks for watching this episode of The Lawyer You Know. If you like this content, please share it with your friends. Make sure you subscribe to our page and like our videos. If you want some interaction, get in the comments and we'll be sure to get back to you. If you want to know any more information about our firm or this page, you can find out in the description or visit tragoslaw.com. We post multiple times throughout the week, so make sure you hit that bell so you can get the notification and not miss out on the next episode.